Hello, I'm Scott Millis, senior pastor here at Living Word Family Church, and I'd like to welcome you to our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope that today's message encourages you and equips you in your walk with Christ. Here's today's message. All right, tonight, uh, this will dovetail maybe a little bit with Sunday morning. How many of you... uh, got something out of Sunday morning. I know that I talked fast. I was told that I maybe, and I'm going to try not to do that tonight, maybe teach so fast, but uh, if I do, I apologize ahead of time. But tonight, the title of this message is Satan's Wrath. I know that sounds kind of ominous, but uh, it does tie in with something that I taught about or taught on uh, Sunday morning. Go to uh, Revelation 12, if you would. This whole chapter is pretty fascinating. Every chapter in the book of Revelation is fascinating, but this one in particular, uh, there's so many things in it. Revelation chapter 12. And uh, I want, actually, you, you can stay there if you want, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Revelation 14. I want to read something very quickly because uh, Sunday morning, I, I had mentioned the fact that somebody had asked me about this end time teaching, this... I, I don't even like the term post-trib because it insinuates that the tribulation is God's wrath and it's not God's wrath being poured out. When does God's wrath come? At the last trumpet. The nations were angry, your wrath has come. So that last final seven years is not God's wrath being poured out. So I don't even like the term post-trib. I, I would prefer last trumpet theology maybe or something like that. But um, anyway, I mentioned Sunday morning that somebody had asked me what how this teaching had impacted my life, why I thought it was so important. And probably the biggest reason is because of the mark of the beast. If somebody's eyes are set on pre-trib rapture and they believe that we're going to be out of here before the mark happens, and then the mark of the beast comes, and again, it's not going to be presented with a pitchfork and horns. It's going to be presented as the greatest thing since sliced bread. If a Christian takes the mark, they are condemned. And I had a question since Sunday morning. Somebody asked me, they said, well, how how would a serious Christian and why would a serious Christian take the mark? I'm not saying that a serious Christian is going to take the mark. I would hope that a serious Christian would look at it and go, that's the mark of the beast. And how can we tell if it's the mark of the beast, by the way? Does anybody know? Can anybody think? And when this is presented by the one world government or whoever presents it, I'm assuming it's going to be a one world system or something like that. How are we as Christians going to know that's the mark. Can't buy or sell without it. If somebody comes and tells you, you have to have a mark on your forehead or on your hand, and you can't buy or sell without it, guess what? That's the mark of the beast. If you take that mark, you are condemned. And so I would think that any serious Christian who has even a a slight amount of understanding of end-time theology would say, oh, I'm not taking that, because if I do, I'm condemned. Will there be nominal Christians People who are born again but aren't that serious about God. You know, Sunday morning Christians that don't study their Bible, they don't don't keep up on a lot of these things and listen to a lot of this teaching that are convinced that a pre-trib rapture is what it is. Are there those types of Christians that could very easily be swayed into taking something like that? And if they do, guess what? They're condemned. Because as I said Sunday morning, the mark of the beast is about who and what we worship. Are we going to trust and worship God, or are we going to trust this world system? So that's, that's my biggest 
concern about the end time, the preacher of rapture end time teaching. Let me, let me read from you Revelation 14. You can turn it there if you want. Verse 9, what happens to people who take the mark? In Revelation 14, 9, it says, Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on, on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image, whoever receives the mark of his name. Now, obviously, that's something as Christians we're going, whoa, I don't want that to be me. Does that sound like hell, by the way? That's hell. For, forever and ever, fire and brimstone and smoke, weeping and gnashing of teeth, if somebody takes the mark of the beast. This is why this teaching about the last days, I believe, is so important for us to understand and for us to share with other people. Because, as I said Sunday morning, by and large, the church, even globally probably, the, I think, at least from what I've seen, the biggest percentage of Christians within the body of Christ at large probably believe and have been taught a pre-trib rapture. So this is a serious thing, folks. This is not just, well, Jeff gets caught, caught up in these things and he wants to teach on it all the time and talk about it all the time. No, I'm passionate about it because probably that's the biggest reason I'm passionate about it. All right, let's go to Revelation 12, otherwise I won't get done with that tonight. Revelation chapter 12, verse 1. Again, this is Satan's wrath. As I've said many, many times, Sunday morning and, and even once or twice tonight, uh, the last seven years is not God's wrath being poured out. I believe the, the final three and a half years is Satan's wrath, not God's wrath. And I'll show you that in this passage tonight. Revelation chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Now a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars. I will stop there for just a moment. Do you have that uh, Genesis 37.9? Can you just put it up there real quickly? I don't want to turn to it. I'll read it off the screen if you have it. I think I gave that scripture to you. Revelation or Genesis 37.9? Anybody in there? <laughs> there it is. This is Joseph talking about a dream that he had. It says, then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed down to me. The sun and the moon were his mom and dad. This is Joseph's dream. And the 11 stars were his 11 brothers. And so we're talking about Israel when we, when we look at that in conglomeration, all of those things together. Now in Revelation 12, it says 12 stars. Why does it say 12 stars in Revelation 12? Because we're including Joseph. That didn't include Joseph. He was having a dream about his 11 brothers and his mom and dad. But in Revelation 12, we're looking, the first verse here, we're looking at Israel. Can you see that? Okay, that's a parallel passage that kind of bears that out. Verse 2 says, Then being with child, she cried out in labor. This is Israel as, as a nation. I mean, I guess, I, I'm speaking metaphorically here. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven, behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. Now this is the devil. We find out later on in this chapter, the dragon is the devil. Okay, so that's, that's clear also. That's who we're talking about in verse 3. 
His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman, the woman is Israel, who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. Is that, okay, you see the word child there is capitalized, probably is in your Bible too. Who is that talking about? Talking about Jesus. Jesus came through Israel, through the nation of Israel. And so this is, the, this is what's happening in context here. It says she bore a male child, that was Jesus, who was to rule the nations with a rod of iron. That confirms that it was Jesus. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. That also confirms we're talking about the Lord. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she, was, she has a place prepared by God, and they should feed her there for 1,260 days. How long is 1,260 days? Three and a half years. So in six verses, we've covered several thousand years worth of time, all the way really from the beginning because, gosh, I got to be careful how many rabbit trails I get off on tonight. In creation, at the, at the end of the sixth day of creation, God said, looked at everything and said everything was very good. So you realize there was no evil at the end of the sixth day of creation. No evil present. Everything was very good that God had created. And the devil and his angels were created by Jesus in the original creation. I could, if I had time, I could teach, teach about that also. But, but Jesus is the one that spoke the worlds into existence. And according to Colossians, all the principalities and power, might and dominion, and every name that's named was created through Jesus, God through his son, Jesus. He spoke everything into existence. At the end of the sixth day of creation, everything was very good. So the devil had not fallen until after the sixth day of creation. The devil and his angels. And most people believe that this passage is talking about Satan falling from heaven or being kicked out. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning and that he drew a third of the stars or a third of the angels with him. That's, that's where that theology comes from is Revelation chapter 12. And that's, that's very possible. I think that that's a fairly accurate view of what's going on here. So we're looking at, in six verses, several thousand years of history here. Really, more than that, probably almost 6,000 years from creation all the way up to the final three and a half years. That's pretty amazing when you think about it. So that's how Revelation chapter 12 opens up. I hope everybody followed me on that. Verse 7 says, a war broke out in heaven. Now this is, I believe this is at the beginning of that final three and a half years. A war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan. So the dragon is the devil, Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So this is, again, I believe, and you'll see here in a moment why, why I think this, and I think Scripture bears this out. I'm, it's not my interpretation. I'm going to show you how Scripture bears this out. I believe this is... Uh, at the beginning of that final three and a half year period, which I refer to as Satan's wrath, the great tribulation that Jesus talked about, remember, from the abomination of desolation to the end of that final seven years. Everybody with me? Remember that from Sunday morning? In the middle of that final seven years, there's an abomination of desolation. Jesus said, when you see this spoken of by Daniel the prophet, that's a milestone. That's a mile marker right there. From there until that final, till the end of that seven years, Jesus said there would be great tribulation. So there's a three-and-a-half-year period where there's great tribulation, and this is what's happening in heaven. A war broke out. Michael and his angels fought with the devil and his angels and cast him out. 
Verse 10 says, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him. Who overcame him? This is, talk, this is addressing Christians in this verse. The church, okay? And they overcame him, overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to death. That doesn't mean that every Christian on the face of the earth is going to die during that final three and a half years. I don't believe that for a second. But that final three and a half years, I think, is going to be a sifting time of the wheat and the tares. We're going to find out who the true church is and who the nominal believers are that say, oh, I'll take this mark because this isn't the mark of the beast. We're going to be out of here before this happens. I fear for those people. I really do. Because, again, if they take it, they're condemned. But those who don't take the mark, there is a possibility, probably even in this country, that we could be jailed or we could, we could not be able to buy and sell. If the mark of the beast is actually implemented in the country, which is up to us, right now anyway, unless they do away with our Constitution, which has been talked about over the last couple of decades. But this country is run by the people. If we, if we continue to elect the right people, and I think that that's starting to happen, people are starting to wake up, I hope, uh, it's possible that, the, that America could retain its sovereignty and say we're not being part of that world system. I hope, that we, I hope that we're not. I pray that we're not. But is it possible that even in this country, the mark of the beast will be implemented from a one-world system, one-world government? Right now, I would say sure, sure possible. The way our government's looking and acting, and many of them in the government are looking and acting. So this is going to be a challenging time for the church and for Christians. Does God just, you, you know, this is one of the pre-trib arguments that, you know, they, they call it the blessed hope. The pre-trib rapture is the blessed hope. And what you're teaching, Jeff, doesn't give anybody hope. How much more of a blessed hope do we have if we're going through the last, the final three and a half years? We're going to have a, a, a lot more hope and a lot, it's going to be a lot more of a blessing to look forward and say, well, I can't wait to the return of Christ because this is getting rough. Jesus talked about those who endure until the end. When is the end? It's the end. It's when he comes. It's the last trumpet. He didn't say those who endure until I take them out so they don't have to endure anything. I mean, this, this Americanized Christianity, folks, is, is, is not, does not allow for Christians to suffer or for anything harmful or bad to happen to a Christian. And yet, all over the world, Christians are suffering even right now. Look at the Voice of the Martyr magazine. Look, listen to some of them sometimes. Some of the testimonies you hear from China and from some of these countries that persecute Christians, where Christians are actually dying, being beheaded. There's suffering going on right today. I'll bet you you talk to them about suffering and about the last trumpet or pre-trib, and they'll say, I don't care about pre-trib or whatever. Just, you know, I know that I'm suffering. Jesus never promised us that we would be off this earth before anything bad happened. If you can find that scripture, and I'm not putting anybody down. I'm not trying to put any other teachers down. I'm just saying you can't find that in scripture. If you find it, you let me know. And, I'll, and I might change my mind on that. 
But this last three and a half years is probably going to be the toughest time on the earth for, for Israel and for Christians. And so we need to be prepared in our hearts and built up in our faith. But I do know this, verse 11 again says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. That is the mark of a serious Christian. Amen? So, verse 12 says, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath, because he knows he has a short time. And so the devil is cast out of heaven. He and his angels, they come down to earth having great wrath, because he knows he has a short time. And we're going to find out what that short time here is in just a moment. But this is again why, first of all, the final seven years is not God's wrath being poured out because when does God's wrath come? At the last trumpet. But there is a time of great tribulation, and I believe that time of great tribulation we could actually call Satan's wrath because he's kicked, he's kicked out of heaven to the earth. He comes down having great wrath because he has, knows he has a short time. Now let's watch what the devil does here. Now, when the dragon, that's the devil, saw that he'd been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. That's Israel. So the woman's cast to the earth, and he persecutes Israel. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle. Now, you can read our book, and, and we talk about the modern nations of the Bible. I can't get off on that tonight. But I'm saying it's possible. I can't say this dogmatically, but I'm saying it's possible that, that the great eagle could be the United States of America that we still assist and aid Israel. That's just a, that's speculation. I'm just throwing that out there. That she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for time and times and half a time and the pres from the presence of the serpent. Time and times and half a time is three and a half years according to Hebrew scholars. Now, I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I just read after them. Okay, but I do understand why they come up with that. Time is one. Times is two. And half a time is half of the first one, half of the one. So it's half of one, which is a half. Now, I'm not a math. I was never good at math, but I can at least understand one plus two is three. And then half of one is a half. So three and a half is how they get that. Time, times, and half a time. Three and a half years. So Satan come, is cast to the earth. He knows he has a short time. And the short time he has is three and a half years. Where else do we see a time of three and a half years where the devil is just going berserk. And Israel is being persecuted like the world has never seen and never will see again. It's during that final three and a half years that we looked at in Matthew 24, Sunday morning. If you remember that. Jesus said, when you see the abomination of desolation, those who are in Judea, you better run for the hills. Because you're going to be persecuted like the world has never seen before or never will see again. And we've seen Israel persecuted a whole lot in the last couple thousand years. But he said it's going to be worse than anything we've seen before and that we'll ever see again. Well, this parallels that perfectly because Satan is cast to the earth. And who does he go after first? The woman who gave birth to the child who is Israel. And he persecutes her for time, times, and half a time. That's three and a half years. So the serpent, verse 15, spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. I have no idea what that means. Listen, you know, any Bible teacher should at least be honest enough to say if, if you don't know what it means, you don't know what it means. 
If somebody can explain that to me from, another, from a biblical perspective, I'm glad to hear it, but I don't know if it's an actual flood. I don't know if that's uh, symbolism. I have no idea what that is. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened up its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Now watch this in verse 17, the last verse of chapter 12. It says, And the dragon, this is the devil, was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Who is that? That's Christians. Folks, the the time to be built up in our faith and to walk close to God is not at the beginning of that final three and a half years. The time to start doing that is now. The time to start doing that is now. Not out of fear, but out of faith. Because remember, we overcome him by what? The blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And we don't love our lives even unto death. Why? Do we have a death wish? I don't have a death wish. I'm going to live a long life. That's my desire. But I love God more. And if my life is taken from me, I know where I'm going for all eternity. I have, any, I have what I call and what I've heard called an eternal perspective. And we need to have an eternal perspective, folks. I'm not trying to put fear in anybody's heart tonight because we haven't been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I'm just trying to preach the truth from God's word. And I'm telling you that final three and a half years is not God's wrath. It's Satan's wrath. Because he's cast to the earth. He comes down knowing he has a short time. And the short time is three and a half years. And he goes after Israel and he comes after Christians. Is it any, could it be any clearer from Scripture? <laughs> so, again, this is a time, folks, for us to really stand up and be the people of God that God has called us to be. No more playing games. No more playing Sunday morning and Wednesday night and then going about the rest of our week and forgetting about God. Because that's not going to cut it. No offense to anybody. I'm not trying to offend anybody tonight. I'm trying to stir your hearts and let you know that Uh, God has shown us these things for a reason. You know, when Jesus came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, he rebuked the religious leaders because they didn't know the time of his coming. And they should have known because they had his word. And we are not people of darkness. We are people of light. Yes, he's going to come like a thief in the night, the Bible says, but if you read the rest of that passage, he says, but not to you because you're not in darkness that that day should overtake you like a thief. So God has revealed these things to us on purpose and for a purpose so that we can be ready in our hearts to stand with him even during the toughest days and that we can stand together as a body and even with the larger body of Christ during whatever tough things might come down the road. That we overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony and we don't love our lives even unto death. Wow, what a message, Jeff. Thanks for, thanks for building all of us up tonight. It's the truth, though. Amen? Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you enjoyed today's message, consider sharing it with a friend. For more content and information about Living Word, check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. And remember to live the gospel and preach the gospel.